We are the carers for our neighbors. We are servants in our labor. We are counting well the cost of living for the Dunker Punks. I'm your host, Alyssa Parker, and I'm happy to introduce this episode that features two people who are very near and dear to my heart as they discuss a timely and powerful message of growth. Both Josiah Ludwig and Gabby Kettering have been instrumental in my blossoming as a young adult and finding my way through the world and navigating my faith. It was this support that empowers me to share my voice. Does your home church want to support youth and young adults in sharing their faith journey and perspectives on a larger platform? We are looking for 20 organizations to come together to amplify these voices of faith and empower them with opportunities to create and lead. Email us at dpp at arlingtoncob.org for more details. Now, as congregations support the voices of our youth and young adults, it is our turn as young people to step into leadership and use our gifts for a purpose. And one way to do that is to apply to be a Dunker Punks podcast communications intern. Current and recent secondary education students are eligible for the part-time, remote, paid position sponsored by On Earth Peace. Get experience, gain professional skills, interpersonal communications, project production, social media, content generation, fundraising, and graphic design. Get to immerse yourself in storytelling and spiritual discourse, promoting reflection, action, service, social justice advocacy, creation care. Email us at dpp at arlingtoncob.org for more details, including a job description for our communications intern position. The Dunker Punks podcast ministry is all about lifting up young people's authentic faith stories to start conversations, create connections across traditional barriers, and inspire service, advocacy, growth, community, etc. as we include an invitation to be part of the community. As we listen to the conversation about the worship of composting, let us wrestle with how we do this in the spaces of nature that we are in. If you haven't already, make sure to check out Gimbia Kettering's article in The Messenger titled The Parable of the Compost, which comes at a very timely fashion as Earth Day has just passed. Also, as you listen to this podcast and something jumps out to you, share it with us. Send your comments or favorite show quotes to us at dpp at arlingtoncob.org. We want to talk about the parts that strike you. Happy listening, Dunker Punks. 
Well, today I'm very excited to be joined by a friend, Gimbia Kettering. Um, part of my thought process in putting these episodes together has been to sometimes bring up topics that I think um, the young people of the denomination should be wrestling with. And, and then some other times it's more just along the lines of, I need to try to make sure that the young people in the denomination are hearing from some of the thought leaders in our denomination. And uh, Gimbia is certainly somebody I would describe in that way. Whenever we chat, I always come away from the conversation um, challenged and um, feeling like I've learned something new. So Gimbia, thank you so much for, for hanging out today and, and for this conversation that we'll have. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, awesome. So we, we're going to be talking about a piece that uh, Gimbia has put together for Messenger. For those of you who don't know, Messenger is our denominational magazine. It is available online as well. And we're going to attach the, the article to the episode notes. So we want to give you just a moment to go and find that and read over that um, as we'll be discussing it during our conversation today. So we're hoping that you took advantage of that space to, to look that over and digest some of uh, where we might be headed with the conversation. Often when Gimby and I chat, the, the conversation heads towards um, some topics around race and things of that nature. But this time when I called and I said, hey, what do you want to talk about? She said, well, I've been working on this piece around composting has been very close to heart and mind. So I want to just ask you first, why composting? Why is that the thing right now? Well, first of all, I want to say composting may have something new. Like, don't be surprised if we end up talking about race. It, I don't seem able to escape. It applies in a lot of places in my life. Uh, the ultimate metaphor. And I don't think co composting is immune from that, though it did not actually come up in the article like of the Messenger magazine directly. Mm -hmm. The the reason why composting came up, well, uh, another friend sort of approached me and said, we, we'd like the older people in the denomination, Messenger's readership tends to be older, and we'd like the older people to hear your voice because you're one of the young people. So I'm like, wow, I'm really in this weird middle space. <laughs> Welcome to the club. <laughs> of um, being, I guess, a middle-aged brethren? Is that, what, is that what we are now? <laughs> Just... No idea. No idea. Anyway, we um, so I was invited and I thought, you know, and she also was expecting a piece on race. And in fact... It's spring, uh, and I've done this thing where I've kept my compost going year round. And this is not the first year I've done it, but every spring it surprises me mm -hmm. that like it's still going and there's dirt in there. And like I find this really amazing. That's what was on my mind when she came up, and it has turned into sort of me thinking more and more about about this practice. Why do I do this? Mm -hmm. And so I've been thinking about it and to sort of push the pun, I've been turning it over mm -hmm. in my mind and a lot lately. And so when you called to say, it just felt like such a natural thing to say, hey, this is what I've been wrestling with. This is what I've been thinking and exploring. So I'm really happy yeah. to uh, talk to you about the dirt. <laughs> that sounds awesome. And uh, the the piece is, is the, the parable on composting? The parable of the compost. Yeah. 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 And I think it really comes from the fact that I love the parables. I really, really love the parables. I love the way that Christ used parables, but there are also other parable ways of telling stories and other traditions, expanding 
in the Christian tradition. And I think it's such a great way. This is actually not, I didn't write it as a formal parable, but part of what I do is I do wonder about like, why isn't there a parable about compost? So when we read the parable of this, uh, sort of the parable of the good seed is sort of often what it's called. And I just have been really wrestling with the revelation that the good seed is actually interpreted as the message. Mm. Does the message grow and flourish? It's not, do the disciples grow and flourish? Do Christians as people grow and flourish? It's, does the message grow and flourish? Mm -hmm. Which means that we're the dirt. Like we, we are the, we are the ones that are, it's growing in. Mm -hmm. Or not. (laughs) Yeah. We're not growing in. <laughs> growing in, growing around. It's grow- Yeah, the seeds, the seeds are growing in us. The, the, you know, you know, you take this message, and are you the person that this, the message grows in? Mm-hmm. And I just find that to be such a different way of talking about it mm-hmm. than I heard growing up traditionally. Sure. And when we were talking about it, the just sort of a reckoning with being the dirt, and uh, <laughs> say some about that. Well, dirt is incredibly unglamorous, right? I mean, so much. And I think, you know, coming out of a pandemic, we're obsessed with things being clean. And, you know, a lot of a lot of religious practices, whether it's related to taboos or related to abolitions, you know, there's a lot of focus on cleanliness. Baptism is an abolition, a ritual of cleanliness. Sure. And so we tend to get away from, from this concept of dirt and, or we associate dirt with sin. I think especially as we're an increasingly urbanized global perspective, definitely, but also in my own family journey, I'm probably the most urbanized in my family. Mm-hmm. And there's this real concept that dirt is sort of like it's city dirt, right? It is, it is bad dirt. It is the dirt that's on the sidewalk that the seed falls on and doesn't grow. Sure. It is the dirt that has germs. It is the dirt that you shouldn't, shouldn't deal with. Mm. And the idea that dirt is soil, like this living thing that that all life, you know, sort of has to come out out of out of soil, like all of our plants, you know, we've got hydroponics now, but mm-hmm. traditionally, the vast majority of our plants that we eat, that the meat eaters that we eat, if you if you're a carnivore or an omnivore, like also have eaten plants, like these things, dirt is a very critical part of our, of our food chain. It's a very critical part of the cycle of life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, as I say in the piece, it's, it's dust to dust. And, you know, we, we, we come out, we come out of this dirt very, very metaphorically, mm-hmm. but also very practically. Sure. And I think about that a lot lately. Um, and drawing the distinction between sort of dirt that is unclean mm. and dirt that is life-giving mm-hmm. is really important to me at this stage of my life. Mm. That's beautiful. The idea of composting itself, there's some, in, in, in the piece you describe some of like the, the gross and the <laughs> nasty and like, yeah, to talk, talk some about that and how that fits with the metaphor and so I would say, you know, I'm that generation that was told to recycle, right? Like if we recycled enough, we would save the planet. Like we were really told that. And I think some of that's really breaking down for us. A, the the amount of recycling, the amount of plastic that we do cannot, which of it can be reused. You know, now we're all starting to get better at looking at the bottom. What does it say? Mm-hmm. Um, the the level of of plastic we use is just not sustainable. And you know, China at one point said, hey, we're not taking any more of your plastic. We, we've we got enough. We don't need any more. Thank you. Right. And all of a sudden, like, 
Uber Eats said, well, you can choose not to have your plastic fork, right? So for this generation that really believed that plastic was going to save us, I think in this recycling way, I didn't get the same messaging about the circle of recycling mm-hmm. in nature. Sure. So one of the really, really profound things as I have in the last few years begun to read more indigenous thought leaders, more indigenous theologians and religious perspectives, one of the really interesting things that they're very clear about is there's no waste in nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Say that it's again. Clo- there's no waste in nature. It's a, it's, mm-hmm. it's a complete circle of a system. Mm-hmm. And Compost is part of that, the breaking down of things to return to the soil, to return to the earth is part of that way that new life springs up again and the way that nutrients are returned. And it's the natural recycling program that if done properly is is kind of perfect. I've been, I had decided to be a CSA eater. I I switched, I was going to eat local. I was going to eat this like farm food that showed up in a box and be really happy about this, right? Sure. A few years before I started composting. And I think part of it was looking at all of the, the stuff, like all of the peels and the, and mm-hmm. you know, you get a lot of dirt when you get CSAs, like sure. your scallions, your, your green onions come like the, anything that has a root comes dirty. It's there's nothing's been washed mm-hmm. um, before it gets to you as a CSA person. So you end up washing a lot. So I think that started waking up in me, this idea that, wow, there's all this really good stuff. Like this is really good local CSA stuff. And I'm peeling carrots. Where are these peels going? What's happening? Mm-hmm. And that was what sparked the idea that I wanted to compost. And I think it also was very much connected to this. Well, it is, it's recyclable. Like my, my, myself that was still in love with recycling at that time was like, oh, it's a form of recycling. This is really cool. Mm-hmm. Now I live in a row house. Mm-hmm. I have almost no yard space. <laughs> I can really like I these big black tumblers from the, from the Tacoma Park co-op. So, you know, I went in, I like shove this thing we have a tiny hatchback car at the time I shove it in in the mm-hmm. back seat drive through town get it up set it up so proud of myself so nice. proud I got this thing right <laughs> it was summer we had a friend come over I was not that good at it I will say composting you can be better at it or worse at it I was not so good at it that first first mm-hmm. season sure which meant it sometimes smelled um and so we had a house party and one of my neighbors noticed it uh, mm. both because it's this giant black thing in our sort of patio space and also because it was maybe not as fresh as it could have been at the time right. I was still learning about anaerobic bacteria mm-hmm. and uh, she said what is that and I explained to her like this incredibly detailed conversation I was my like everything I knew about composting having you know read the flyer that came with the, the tumbler and whatever and I like gave it all to her this incredible like love information mm-hmm. and she looked at me she was also very ur- sort of an urban person several several generations from a farm and she you know, looked at me she said oh so you make dirt right <laughs> like that was her t- <laughs> and I felt very like it, it took the wind out of my sails I felt a little like, diminished I uh, yeah, sure like this is very anticlimactic but it, it's funny because I began to think about it. I'm like I make dirt okay mm-hmm. and I've returned to that line sort of several times. It's like, it's actually pretty cool to me. And it's, it's a form of miracle for me. Mm. Um, so why this now, I think, oh gosh, part of it's the pandemic's been hard, Josiah. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't know about you, but the pandemic is hard. Mm-hmm. I was feeling 
even pre-pandemic, like life with some small children, some of the stuff I was going through anyway in my own spiritual journey, I was very distanced from church, like the actual like Sunday community. Mm-hmm. And just before the pandemic, I was like, oh, I should start church shopping again, right? Like maybe I need to find that Sunday place that I can go. I can always go to my parents' church, but I love my parents' church. It's not my church. Mm -hmm. And it's very easy to go to. And it's even easier to send my kids to it. There you go. There you go. Yep. But that doesn't make it my spiritual home place. Mm -hmm. And I began to think like, oh, I can can do that, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And then the pandemic hit and it's like, oh, well, no, actually I'm, I'm not doing that. And I was not one of those inspired people who's like, oh, I'm going to do Zoom church and churches all over the world. Like I know people who got very excited about that, Mm -hmm. but that wasn't it for me. Mm -hmm. For me, it was just kind of like, I even drew closer into my own self and really wrestling with sort of the things that had made me disquieted about church prior to that. Mm-hmm. And some some of that like wrestling, it it's like um, sort of our society says like, well, if, if something's not working, then we just chuck it, right? We just throw it out. Yeah, I mean this this whole pandemic, I think you know, there's been this running observation that a lot of us are cleaning out our houses, right? Like we're home all the time and we're looking at them and we're both doing home improvements and decluttering at the same time. So in some ways, like there's been the surge of home good buying, but there's also been the surge where like secondhand stores can't manage everything coming in. Sure. And it's this, does it spark joy? You know, is this condo, does it spark joy? Mm -hmm. And when I think about things sparking joy, like actually joy is a very spiritual word. This doesn't make you happy. This isn't, does it look good in your living room? Joy is a really spiritual word. Yeah. And I've been struck and as we were preparing for this conversation you know I said one of the things that's really struck me is that dunker punks came from an experience of joy yeah you know NYC is this incredible mountaintop experience my dad is going to be 80 soon like very soon and he remembers going to NYC sure and in fact he showed me a piece of paper that he kept in his bible from NYC Mm -hmm. so I mean this is like 60 years 65 mm-hmm. years of like this piece of paper has existed in the world that he's carried. Yeah. Um, this incredible mountaintop experience and this incredible joy. And we oftentimes talk so much about the joy of our faith, the, the joy of, you know, surrendering to Jesus, the joy of worshiping God, the joy, the joy, the joy. And all of a sudden it was in this pandemic and I was pretty existential and I was not feeling the joy. Sure. And then, oh, wait, I promised I wouldn't talk about race. I'm you about to talk promise. about race, y'all. You do not promise <laughs> that. <Trigger warning. laughs> so then George Floyd happened, right? Black right. Lives Matter kicks off. George Floyd happened. And for me, as, 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 as a Black American, this was really, you know, this was a reminder of the things that frightened me. Mm-hmm. This is a reminder of the things that saddened me. And this was, you know, this was not, for me, a moment. Of, of of black joy this is a moment for like great black anxiety actually <laughs> and um I really found myself struggling with like where where's the joy and you know some of it is I didn't expect my generation would be fighting this hard mm. for civil rights I didn't expect my generation to be protesting this hard I I just didn't expect it and there's this like where's the joy I I this is hard work. This isn't it. 
And suddenly a lot of the things that I thought I believed didn't feel as true as they once had. Mm. And this is when I began to think about what are the, the scraps of what I once believed. You know, we've got these like great, I have a dream speeches and sort of like, and I thought the civil rights was this one thing. I thought the civil rights movement was this thing that belonged to my parents' generation. Mm-hmm. I thought it was this mountaintop experience of America. I thought that afterwards there was just this like joy of being American. I was, I was maybe a little more post-racial than I want to admit. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And um, similarly with like, you know, the Barack Obama story, like, oh, we have a black president. Look, this is this is this moment. Like we've reached the mountaintop. Mm-hmm. We're now a nation of some of a kind of equality. And so there were there was that trend running through. And now I'm like, I don't believe this anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. believe that. Wait a sec. What does it mean that I don't believe that? Does that mean that the whole thing just was needs to be thrown out it mm-hmm. you know do, do is this part of the decluttering of my life mm. and i in the brethren circles and I, and I and i hesitate to say brethren people this because that's a pretty there's a lot of diversity sure. in our faith space mm-hmm. and you know you could look at me and be like really your brethren and i can look at other people and be like really you think they're brethren so you know i hesitate <laughs> So in my brethren experience, I had not heard a lot of conversation about what it means when the things that you thought were going to hook you in to your faith, the things that brought you joy, what happens if they start breaking down for you? Mm -hmm. And there's a a profound growing up in that. Mm -hmm. And one of the, one of the, I don't, I don't know if it was just a rhetorical question, but like, what is it like when um, your faith just the stuff you believed before isn't enough to help you in the moments that you're wrestling with. And I remember talking to you as well. I forget how many months after the Floyd stuff, then all of like, all of a sudden, all this stuff around, oh, well, you know, the the pandemic happened because of these people. And then there was all this like AAPI violence throughout the country. And that's another part of like your family's identity (laughs) wrestling with like, all of these things all at once and in the midst of pandemic and yeah and in reality it started before that so one of the things is also I have a gendered experience I'm a woman right so mm-hmm. I I had a very I had a very difficult childbirth with my first first daughter and in fact a life-threatening um mm-hmm. and I came back and I said you know where in the bible is this right you know we, mm-hmm. have, we have the infertility story of Hannah that's very clear mm-hmm and we have the infertility story of Sarah, and that's very clear. But, you know, one in four women has a miscarriage. Where's where's the verse for a woman who's had a miscarriage? Like, wow. where is that? Right. And where's the story for, like, half of women died in childbirth through, through up until very recently, actually? Like, where's the story for that? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say, like, whoa, whoa, this, I'm looking for these things that aren't here. And what is this? And so, you know, I don't want to say, like, oh, the pandemic was a sudden switch that flipped. Like it was sure. already starting to happen. Mm-hmm. And so compost, right? You take compost and you take these like really great organic vegetables that have like fed and nourished your soul and helped you grow. And then you've got the peels. Mm-hmm. And they are not serving you. They're not, you're, or you're not serving them to yourself. I don't know. Right, right. <laughs> they, uh, they're not working for you. They're not what you need. You put, I put them in my compost bin. 
Mm-hmm. I've got this great big tumbler and it just tumbles and tumbles. Like I'm going to turn it. This is, this is the aeration, very important step. If any, but any of you see you hearing this podcast and going to, to do accomplishment, turn it. Um, it's slimy <laughs> otherwise. But the idea that I can put all of this stuff that I had, that it's not that I have to like declutter it and decondoize it and that it was bad for my life that I had it or that I don't need it. The idea that there is no waste in nature. There's no waste in my faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That it gets turned over, that it's a part of me, that it it breaks down. But breaking down is not destruction it's not me breaking down it's pieces of things breaking down and out of it there's this process and it's time you know there's the old saying that tragedy plus time is comedy Mm. and so I find myself thinking faith plus time is just a different kind of faith Mm. and these things that felt tragic to let go of these things that I even felt tragic. How could I have believed that? Like it was tragic that I even once believed it. I needed to give myself a different sense of space and perspective to say, oh no, it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Something else is going to come out of these. This is still the life experience, the time. And with time, this can be a place for, for seed to grow. Like there, there's still a place for faith to grow in this just maybe not right now as it's turning in the way I expected Mm -hmm. and for me the turning it over the thinking about it the mulling it the coming to conversations with friends who are in different places in their spiritual spaces and their walks that's the oration if I just keep it in myself and sit it does it goes anaerobic anaerobic and slimy Mm -hmm. and a little stinky (laughs) so I've got to keep it I've got to keep it open right like I've got to keep turning it over and that's why I really appreciate conversations with you this is why you know I call people still and sometimes I feel like oh my gosh they're gonna they're gonna call I'm gonna call they're gonna think oh my gosh she's got this heavy conversation and she's got you know these really she doesn't have an easy faith to talk about but it's so good for me Uh, I'll say it's very good for me too so I always appreciate when the call comes so (laughs) appreciate being on the list (laughs) Wow. It's just, yeah, it's a lot to, to sort of wrestle with. And I I feel like sometimes we try to quickly get through that wrestling hard part. Like we try to force the joy or we try to Mm -hmm. force the, Oh, well, the plant's going to come forth. Something new is going to happen. Like, um, and sometimes the, the wrestling, the lament, the, those, those like hard moments are, we should sit with that a little longer. And I appreciate that, um, a lot about this conversation i think i think it's a very american modern tendency though it's like the miracle grow version of christianity right like you just want to like spray it down Mm -hmm. pull it out of a plastic bag dump it and the seeds will grow five times bigger we promise five times faster like it's on the bag you can see it i promise Mm -hmm. and real real nature doesn't work that way Mm -hmm. that to me says like god doesn't work that way like when Christ told the story of the seed, it was a slow growing seed. It wasn't a miracle grow seed. Right. Right. Since, since writing this um, and like the different research that you've done, um, you were, you were telling me that Google has decided that you're very uh, interested in different details of composting. And, and I love other- the algorithm. right? Yeah. I love yeah. the algorithm. You read two articles about something. Yeah. 
And all of a sudden, Google is going to give you more information than you ever wanted to know. And I, of course, am incredibly willing to like keep clicking because <laughs> why not? Because that's Let's how the, the journey. works. It was designed <laughs> for our brains, right? Yeah. So one of the things that's really, and I talk about this in the article, is my compost bin has worms in it. May or may not be best practices. I did not intend to have worms in it. So I put something in that must have had worm eggs. I don't know, but worms have shown up in my compost bin and they are very clearly composting worms. They are red wigglers. Like I have done a lot of comparison of photos to determine this. And so I'm interested in what they call vermicomposting, which is worm composting. And I'm doing a light version of it kind of by accident, but very intrigued. It's my own personal, I don't know, life-giving science experiment. Mm-hmm. And there's this way that I was like, wow, this is miraculous. Like I had dirt and peels and now I have worms. Mm. And this is, this is amazing to me. Like I, I feel, you know, they say the medieval recipe was for, for mice was you put in, put grain in a shaded place and throw a tarp over it. And that's how you grow mice. And that's sort of how I feel about my worms. Like, I know this is not very scientific. <laughs> the part of my body that's like brain that took AP biology knows like, no, no, no. But the part of me that's still like medieval human with, you know, magic. Wow. <laughs> right. And it's like my magic. So I'm super excited about it. And I'm very fond of my worms. I have to tell you, I'm very fond of them. <laughs> and I'm devastated to learn that they're invasive. Mm. So worms are an invasive species. Now I have always thought of invasive species being like snakes in Hawaii, uh, mongoose in the Caribbean. Like my understanding, cats, house cats are invasive. I, I don't know if you know this or not. It's really amazing mm. to be like, and I, I, I had the sense of like, you know, there are animals with fangs and claws is my, is my attitude about an invasive species. You know, it's, it's the, the, the killer hornets. Like I, I have this sense uh-huh. in my head of like, they're, they're these incredibly aggressive species. You couldn't possibly imagine that my cute little worms are invasive, <laughs> but in fact they are apparently. So an invasive species is a species that doesn't belong where it, where it's happening. Mm-hmm. And the the current scientific understanding is that during the last ice age, uh, about 12,000 years ago, the glaciers came down across the North American content, continent and wiped out earthworms. Like the, there are not earthworms here. Mm. And that earthworms start showing up in this modern age of sort of the exchange of goods and ships coming to to the to the turtle island Mm -hmm. and that's how come we have worms and so our in those intervening 12,000 years our forests our ecosystem developed to have a much slower decay cycle and much more dependent on leaves falling and staying the ground cover of that and composting worms work fast some of them can eat twice their weight in in biomatter a day. I mean, they can work really fast and our forests can't lose that much nutrients that quickly. Mm-hmm. And not only that, we think about them as eating our potato peels, but along with it, they eat the microorganisms, those bacteria that make composting happen as well, that make soil good. Mm. They eat, they're eating that as well. And it's it's unpredictable. Like nobody, you know, 
several hundred years ago as ships started arriving with, you know, seeds and plants and dirt, like they, we didn't know. And I'm like, wow, this is, this is, this is the cost. And it's one more cost, you know, oh gosh, am I going to talk to you about race again? Maybe. <laughs> so, I mean, these ships, these ships are coming from Europe and what are they coming with? Like, this is right. a huge exchange of trade that we also, you know, it comes with this trade, this colonization, this, this golden triangle of, you know, rum, gold and slaves going across Africa you know, Europe, the, the Turtle Island, the New World and back. I mean, all of this and the worms are part of this, you know, diasporic trade ex- adventure that we're on mm-hmm. and that none of us really sort of signed up for. Like the worms in my compost bin don't don't think about this. I, I didn't sign up for this adventure. Like you're just born into it. Right. Sure. And it's really added another layer as I think about this, like. I have an active relationship with an invasive species. I have, I have an act, you know, what do I do? And in some ways, the answer that I keep seeing is people saying, you know, we, we can try to slow the spread. Like if you get five bait fish, don't release them, like throw them. They actually say like wrap them in a plastic bag Mm. and put them in the trash so they die and aren't spreading. And there's certain kinds of worms. They say like, don't buy those because those are really invasive and really bad. So don't buy those, even though they make great fishing worms. And this is totally different from a conversation that's happening in places where they are supposed to be. Right. Like there are certain worms that belong to India, that belong to Australia, that belong, like this is, this is, these are different worms than what we have in the conversation. So everything is being incredibly contextualized, but it is very, very humbling. And in many ways, like this is really full circle. I'm like, whoa, my whole understanding of what I thought worms, like that tradition of like, oh, if you have worms in your garden, it's healthy soil. It's like, oh, right. wow. I have to like let go of that myth that I believed. Mm-hmm. It's got to drop back in and start tumbling around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Letting go of the myth of worms is similar to letting go of some of the myths that we've held on to for so long about our own faith too. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Are the things about our faith that make it really, really, really good for us, you know? Mm-hmm. I think we're all in this space where there's this incredible reckoning that's about sort of what is the relationship between power and the message of Christ, right? Mm. And this idea that if, if, if you're good and God loves you, you'll have power. And this message that says, no, 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 God came for the powerless. Jesus was born yeah. among the powerless. Jesus came for the powerless. Yeah. And a lot of us are just turning that message over right now. You know, it's it's almost un-American to say that God loves the poor people yeah. in some way, right? Like, no, 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 take care of the poor, take care of the widow. I mean, that's that's a hard thing to want to live into wanting to do. Mm. And it's a little bit easier in theory than it is in practice. Sure. And so in some ways, I think about my composting time as the space when I can go from accepting something in theory to being prepared to engage with it in practice. Mm-hmm. That's big. Such a hard thing to, to reckon with. Um, so many things we think are a good idea. But then <laughs> when the rubber meets the road, when it's time to like, all right, let's like really be about this instead of just thinking about it. It's, it can be a lot different. 
I mean, you've seen this sort of over and over in your ministry area, both. I oftentimes think about Harrisburg first as a place where people are like, oh, we've got this great idea. We'll we'll reseed this. We'll put down new dirt. We'll do this new thing. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, you mean to do that? I have to let go of this <laughs> let go of this or or in the process of doing that it doesn't work out and it goes anaerobic like i said that that first season of compost was not a good experience for me it was not a, or not a successful experience like it didn't there was not black gold at the end of it mm -hmm. and i've seen that often happen in in faith communities as well where they're like oh they've got this great idea and it is it's a great idea mm -hmm. And it is, but there's this space between like sort of the great idea and the, being able to practice it successfully. Sure. And when it doesn't work, it can be really scary. That that space when it seems like, oh no, everything is slimy and mold is growing and dying and I'm a failure as a gardener. <laughs> it's a real space. Uh -huh. And I think if I wanted people to take away one thing from our conversation or our time, it's that's really real. Mm -hmm. That is really, really, really real. That, that dang, terrible feeling of failure, mm -hmm. that, that feeling that nothing is ever going to grow here. The feeling that I've thrown out everything and I've gotten nothing for it. Mm -hmm. That that's real. That's a real feeling, but there's no waste in nature. Mm -hmm. Nature is going to come back from that. There, there, that you can continue to work with it, to work with yourself, keep turning it over, keep calling those people who, who's, who's sunlight. I mean, when, if your compost was really bad, they say like spread it out, let the sun touch all of it. Right. Mm. Your son, the people who are the sunlight in your life, mm. the people who are the fresh air in your life can see, you know, who can seed you with the good microbes that you need. And that there's no waste. It's not, it's not a lost season. It's not a, it's not a sign of your failure. There's no waste in nature. There's no waste in our faith. Your, your period of fallowness, your, your period where it's not working is not a waste in your journey. Well, there's nothing to add to that. that is a, a very beautiful uh, way to end. So uh, give me a thank you so much for uh, hanging out and yeah, just sharing what's been going on with you and um, what you're chopping up in your own, um, in your own life, what you're, you're wrestling with. Um, there, are, there are many listening who um, this will be so helpful to understand like, yeah, this is real, you know, this, this wrestling, this feeling of failure, it's, it, it is real. And uh, I just appreciate your time and I appreciate every time we get to hang. So this is a great excuse to, to hang with a friend. I appreciate that as well. Yeah, so I, thanks so much. I appreciate you. I appreciate, I appreciate what you, the sunlight you bring. And I want to say that the wider community that's listening, the wider Church of the Brethren, for all the ways that we're, we're different, for all the ways we may not even get a chance to know each other in person, you two are part of my journey. You're part of the mix of, of who I am and what I believe and what I, in my faith. And I'm just so grateful for you being out there and for everything that you've added and brought into my, my into my soil. Mm -hmm. And just th thank you. Thank you so much. And a good growing season, I suppose. <laughs> All right. Blessings, everybody.
Thanks for listening. I have a feeling I will be sitting with this quote from Gimbia. There is no waste in nature. There is no waste in faith. Really wrestling with the implications of that and what it means for my faith journey, especially this realness of failure. Take a moment to think about what that looks like in your life. The Dunker Punks podcast is the compost that bloomed the seed slowly, but with power and strength. I am your host, Alyssa Parker, using the pronouns she and her. Our audio was brought to us by Pastor Josiah Ludwig and Gimbia Kettering, and the episode was edited by Jacob Krause. Jacob Krause also creates our music. Suzanne Lay manages production. Emily Schlott volunteers in communications. Arlington Church of the Brethren and Honor of Peace sponsor the show. Find us online at show page and archives on iTunes. You can subscribe and leave a comment or at arlingtoncob.org slash dpp. Our social media is Dunker Punks Pod, where you can follow, share, like, or comment. You can also email us at dpp at arlingtoncob.org. May you continue to experience the beauty and the struggle in nature as a form of deliverance. Until next time, bye Dunker Punks.